there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Shouldn't you be at work? When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that, or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. You can pair up if you like, and you can fucking pick someone else to help you, and you can bring your fucking dinner. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh, Hatton! No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin. Will he score? Ben Clark is back. I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And thank you to Tony Roberts for this one. Where you been? Niall Quinn. It's Michael Martin. Hello. Is that the former QPR goalkeeper, Tony Roberts? It could Who be. I'm only no. aware of because he was a sticker, really. <laughs> is he the one with the moustache? Or am I thinking No, of... that was Jan Stachel, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, Tony Roberts, footballer. Oh, he's Welsh. He was... Oh, he was with Wales... He was on um, the Welsh coaching team at the World Cup. So I'm glad he took time out from that to uh, come up with a Niall Quinn. Uh, <laughs> Niall Quinn obviously does come up today uh, in course. today's episode as he's a guest on uh, one of the shows we will be covering. I say that as if it's a surprise when it's in the title of the episode, but there we go. <laughs> um, um, speaking of t- sticker books, like this is a, a bit of a plug for Panini. I don't know if you've seen they've, they've brought out. I don't. A book. Th- I don't think that's a. Wor- I don't think that's a worry. That a bit of a plug for Panini <laughs> yeah. is it? People at Merlin absolutely fuming. Yeah. Um, they've brought out a book of all the sticker collections in one complete collection. No, I've got that book. They've had oh, that out it? for ages. Oh, yeah. okay. All right, fine. But I saw it, it the other day it, and I thought, that looks good. Yeah, it is, but it, it's not the stickers, is it? Yeah, it's like... I. Do you know what? I was at Plymouth yesterday. They get this for a record. So me and my friend Leon, who is the only other person outside of my family who I know who supports Plymouth, so he's the only person who I can go to games with, have now been to eight games... Right, and we have seen Plymouth lose eight games, <laughs> scoring one goal. <laughs> Has anyone got a worse record? We were at home to a mid-table team, and we were top of the league, and we lost yesterday two 0 And I was just like, "This is it. We're done now. <laughs> There's no way we can go to games anymore. Eight games, one goal, no wins. That is the start in a season where you're playing really well. well no, no, that's ever. That's ever." ever. Oh, right. So we've we've only ever seen one goal together. We were already two nil down. We were already four right. two down on aggregate when that goal went in. <laughs> what is happening? Ever since that Papa John's, the whites, the one curse of the whites. Five two down on aggregate. Five two down on aggregate. 
Uh, no, we won on the Friday. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Oh, it's totally fine. Also, you've got to remember, football doesn't really matter. You know when we did the Fever Pitch film? I feel further and further from the kind of person whose weekend is adversely affected by a result. I find that just doesn't talk to me anymore. And I apologise to all people that are in that position, but I can very quickly move on to bigger concerns in my life. Mate, I'm the complete opposite. West Ham in this relegation battle that we're currently facing... Uh, I'm consuming every... The, the difficult thing is because it's so tight. I, I'm, a, I'm obsessed about West Ham and who the fixtures we've got coming up. The injuries of the opposing team. The injuries to, like... I'm so focused on the previews of those matches. And now I've got the extra concern. Because there's so many teams involved, I'm watching Spurs versus Everton on a Monday night cheering on Spurs. Oh, like, my word. It's done things to me that no man should have to live through. It's what this, this, this one is particularly bad. Because there's not three or four I, teams. There's, like, half the tables involved. This is so on brand, but um, I'm spending more of my time reading Jonathan Wilson's book about the Charlton brothers than I am reading about <laughs> current football. Any uh, any gossip on the Charlton brothers? Um, it is a really good, interesting book. I'd say the second half of the book, once Bobby is left manager of Preston, there is a lot about Jack, <laughs> and then occasionally there's just an interspersed odd paragraph about Bobby you know, his, slightly his being involved. His soccer school. Yeah, his soccer schools gets a, a cursory mention. <laughs> but I'd say I'd say Jack Charlton dominates the final hundred and fifty pages of the book in there, <laughs> a level you couldn't believe. Are you team Bobby like, or team Jack? I'm not team either of them. Oh, okay. Um I'm team both of them, really, I team suppose. Charlton. They're just two very different people. I think if I was to choose my favourite ever figure from football. I've now decided it's Brian Clough. Wow. That's it. Yeah. I just think he's the greatest figure in the history of football. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Personality, uh, achievement, just sheer force of kind of being a completely unique figure. I'd say Brian Clough. And also, you know, to choose... Obviously, we all love Pelé. We all love Pelé. But you've got to choose someone who's flawed, haven't you? Yeah, you've got to have the light and the shade. You've got to have the light and the shade. Who wants Lionel Messi? Who wants Erling Haaland when you can have <laughs> Paul Gascoigne? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You want well, that. that, but there we go. Um, have we got any correspondence? Yes, we have. Let's get into it. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. I'll start with this. Quick one. This is from uh, yep. Stephen Graham. Uh, he says... <laughs> actor. Well, he says, uh, Dear QK, love the pub. Mark Bosnich follows me on Twitter and I don't even follow him. I can only assume he thinks I'm the actor, Stephen Graham. Brilliant. That's from Stephen, 41 and a half. <laughs> That is incredible. That's a quick one. <laughs> and does... Uh, do we know what his, his handle is on Twitter? I don't actually. No, I don't. Just oh, had, is just it, got did that. he say Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. Twitter. If you're followed, if you're followed by a '90s footballer and you don't know why, please let us know. Yeah. So Mark Bosnich's Twitter. Should we have a quick game? You two, do you want to guess at the real Bozer? How many followers do you think Mark Bosnich has got oh, on Twitter? This is a good one. This is a good game. I'll tell <laughs> you. The last thing he tweeted was a retweet of of Bayern Munich and a quote from Thomas Tuchel. Why, who cares about that? Is he now a pundit for the Champions League? Surely he seems to be in Australia, retweeting he, lots of stuff about the Champions League. He's a big deal in Australia, surely. Um, so he follows 
Oh, he does follow 7,700 people. So I'm not going to be able to find the Stephen Graham that he follows. See, he's got scattergun, isn't it? That blows my mind yeah. when people follow that many people. I can't believe... Anyway, he doesn't follow me. Um, can you tell me how many uh, people follow Mark Bosnich? Michael? 400,000. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was going to say 100,000. Chris is closer. It's 199,000.5 followers. me, that's still a lot. Yeah, I suppose they're all Australian, aren't they? Well, if you, yeah, and it's, I mean, if the content is just retweets, I can't even find the last time he did a tweet of his own. I might just sack off everyone I follow and just follow Mark Bosnich. Maybe he'll you don't become need to a source of any other news. Champions League accounts. I can tell you that for free. He's even retweeted 80s and 90s football, but it's the European Cup semi final between Bayern Munich and Red Star. He adores the European Cup and Champions League. He'd be Team Bobby, I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> you know what, as well? He's not a, um, a player I really even associate with the Champions League. Mark Bosnich. Ma- Retweets too much. Do you want to know how many retweets he's done in the last 24 hours? Go on then. He's done 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, More 26. More than one an hour now. 26 retweets in the last 24 hours. Why? What is he doing with his life? He hasn't done any of his own tweets. He's just retweeting football news. How have 197,000 people signed up for this? I don't know what's going on. Well, if you're followed by Martin Bosnich or any 90s footballer and you don't know why, hello at quicklykevin.com. Now, you might remember we just did on the fan club, we did an episode on 90s kits and the question came up about why exactly Ireland was sponsored by Opal. Yes. Thank you to to Gareth Savage, who's revealed all. He says, you asked why Ireland had a sponsor on on their jersey and the story was that the always cash-strapped FAI asked Opal for a discount on a car for a raffle in 1986. No. But the new head of Opal in Ireland instead offered a sponsorship package. Opal wanted to be seen as Irish, so instead insisted on having their logo on the replica kit and the ever-greedy FAI agreed. Sales of Opal went through the roof as the Irish oh. fortunes were transformed under Jack Charlton, as we all know. There we that go. That is a smart move. It is actually smart a smart move. move, isn't it? I wouldn't have heard smart of Opal. Move. No. I wouldn't have heard of Opal, and I don't really. I'm not still not quite aware of what they are. <laughs> it was news to me why they made cars, but there we go. <laughs> um, this is a controversial one because it, this again came up on our kits episode on the fan club, which is that I made the case that in on European games sometimes the home team would be wearing an away kit. You don't remember this, no? Well, we've got exi- examples of it. Thank you to Simeon Cunningham. Chris is right. Sometimes away kits were worn at home. The one that immediately springs to mind is Chelsea versus Vicenza in the second leg of the 1998 Cup Winners' Cup semi-final. Arsenal wore their yellow and blue away shirt Absolutely for that match. Absolutely. Our kind of listener who says the one that immediately springs to mind <laughs> is the second leg of Chelsea v Vicenza in the Cup Winners' Cup. <laughs> why, why was that? Well, I don't... He says, to this day, I don't know why, but it does remember that uh, Mark Hughes won the tie in a, a gripping encounter it was with a superbly taken, you guessed it, half volley. Oh. Um, but way teams did use it. There was examples. I don't know why. Does anyone know why? We need to get to the bottom of this. Well, do you want, uh, do you want something on uh, wearing a white away kit uh, that I learned from uh, the Charlton book? When the, the iconic game between Italy and Ireland... In 1994, Ireland team walked out in the tunnel in their away white kit and Italy was stood there in their away white kit. What? Yeah, and there'd been a mix-up and Ireland were meant to be in their home kit. 
And so they had to go back into their dressing room before that match and all get changed into the home kit. But they'd only brought one of each home kit, so they couldn't change into dry shirts at half time. No way. There you that go. That is fascinating. Do you know, it was the anniversary, on the day we were recording this, it was just the anniversary of Chelsea turning up to Coventry without with the wrong kit. It's mad things like that used to happen. This is another one from that book. So um, I can't remember the exact game, but they were trying to... I think it must be USA 94, that Ireland needed a goal with 10 minutes to go or something like that in the last qualifier to qualify. And he got Jack Charlton, got Tony Cascarino to strip off, to go on. Tony Cascarino took off his tracksuit top only to realise he just had a plain white T-shirt underneath. He'd forgotten to put on his shirt. (laughs) And Jack Charlton called him a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sent the kit man down to the room to get his kit and in that period Ireland scored wow yeah. that's amazing isn't, isn't that rich, incredible rich with detail that's rich amazing. with detail it's astonishing that these I know we say this a lot but it's astonishing that these things are happening how amateur it all is how much room there is for just human error. Yeah. Has the job of Kitman professionalised more than it was? Is that what's happened? It must be. It must be. There's more than one Kitman at West Ham. There's, is there's, that? Yeah, you'd think a, so, wouldn't you? I think you? there might even be. I, don't, I think he's got, like, there's the main Kitman and, like, two assistants, I'm pretty sure. Do you think it's a good job being a Kitman? Well, I wonder, in the, I remember doing a stadium tour at West Ham in the 90s, and it was like, the Kitman, it seemed like the job was lay out, just lay it out. Well, you've put, got like, a jumper on top. wash all the kits. Is it, a, is it a full-time job? I would say so. West Ham's Kitman is there all the time. And if you've seen the Man City documentary, the Kitman is essentially part of the squad. So I suppose, yeah, you're training every day. Is he in charge of the like the the suits as well that they have to wear for... That's a great question. Do you think he does, like, fittings as well? Do you think he's, like... <laughs> is he a tailor? No, he's, there's nothing tailor-like about him. <laughs> You've very never much... seen him with a um, tape measure around his neck. <laughs> no, it's a very, you can tell it's quite an admin-like high job. There's a lot yeah. of admin, more than there is... Do you think he does the printing tailor. of the names? I know, I've seen that, them do that in the club shop. I think they actually do it in the club shop. I don't think there's a special machine. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, there we I go. I saw you actually were down at the Argyle Club shop. What's that like? It's good now. I mean, that's the, yeah. the huge professionalisation and rise of Plymouth Argyle as a kind of very well-run club means that there's not many funny crap things going on anymore. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. club shop is... I mean, they've sold out because of the success of the season. You can only get the, the shirt in XL now, <laughs> which is a shame. But um, there we go. Yeah, the professionalisation you know. of football. What a shame. Well... I'm going to raise a. I'm going to raise a point I thought of in the club shop, and this dates back to. Well, this started in the '90s, and I'd like to know. I think the item I want to buy the least in the world is Plymouth Argyle leisure wear, the polo shirt, or yeah. or branded Plymouth Argyle jumper. Buy the shirt, or fuck off. Is my view. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the Plymouth Argyle kind of hoodie those things are not i just can't believe people are buying them do do you would you buy the west ham leisure loungewear and leisure wear like would you go to a game in a kind of in a a west ham t-shirt that's got the badge and maybe the year they were formed and a stripe a a stripe across it but it's not ever worn by players or no well do you know what funnily enough i get sent a lot of it so i've actually got a drawer here where i've but i wouldn't i don't wear it 
I wouldn't wear it. I think the only people you see wearing it are, you know, the really old people that you see yeah. who are the first on the supporters bus to the away games. My uncle used to wear, would always wear oh, like a West Ham rugby shirt. They did like a, a rugby <laughs> version of the shirt. Yeah. And he would always wear that. Why? God knows. The, the, the one I, I kind of find acceptable is like the tie. It's the good tie. to have like a subtle one though. You know, not like the crest, oh, just no. the colours. It's Isn't it a bit wacky school teacher to go, yeah, I'm wearing a shirt and tie, but yeah. I'm a football <laughs> fan, guys. Yeah, a little, little nod. nod. If you want to talk to me about West Ham at this wedding, I'm up for it. Do you know one thing that, uh, that really bugs me? is I don't know if other clubs do this, but West Ham have started bringing out retro kits brand new versions yes. of classic 90s kits yeah without not, the, without the brand yeah, without the branding without the kit, on. it's awful plymouth have done that as well and i can tell they're quite similar but it's like it's not authentic it's not authentic if i see someone in one of those kits i think shame on you <laughs> You've got to have the original, haven't You've you? You've got to have the original. I've got a couple of originals, but then you you have the thing where they don't fit great because those early 90s ones don't, but then also you're just scared of wearing them in case you, you destroy them. I know the originals are now very expensive. Buy one from this season and just wear it in 20 years' time. That's your option. Not buying a fake promotion 1985 Plymouth Argyle shirt. One more, one more email quickly before we bring on our guest. Okay. Well, speaking of when football was different, this email comes from James Mason. He says he's been looking through some old football programmes and this one he's found is from the 84-85 season for Grimsby. And he says, I'm not sure what's more surprising, the fact Grimsby can support two seemingly independent Kissagram businesses or what one of the Kissagram companies thinks might give a lady in your life a thrill. All right, so this is a page. I'm about to send you this. Yeah. It's a page from the, the Grimsby programme, the 84-85 season. And there's a... Like almost like classifieds. Yeah. Check out two of the businesses, a kissagram businesses. So here we are, eighty four, eighty five season. Right in the middle, the first one is Kiss and Tell Kissagram Service. Oh, I don't wow. even really know what is, what a, is a kissagram. I don't even know what it even is. But it says anytime, any place, any occasion. Why not let one of our female or male models make yours the greeting they will never forget? What is oh, a kissagram? A wide variety of novelty dress to choose this from. Portfolio of your preferred choice of greeting. Photograph service available. So they come in and do they just give you a kiss? <laughs> yeah, and you can dress the person. But, yeah. and, and here's a, here's a hint of what you can dress them as. Because there's another kissagram business, Immingham Singing Kissagrams, sexy underwear, our speciality. Spoil oh, no. the lady in your life. Let Tarzan or Hitler what? give them a frill. Hitler. Xmas bookings taken. That is that I, sexy underwear, our speciality. That is Xmas bookings taken. That Two kissagram businesses in Grimsby. That is mental. Hitler. <laughs> What year was this? 84, 85 season. So there's still people who've lived through the war at this point. <laughs> I mean, there is now, but particularly then. This is unbelievable. Have you ever... What was a kissogram? Have you ever experienced a kissogram? Was it big what? in the 80s? I don't even know. In my... This is how I imagine it works. Yeah, well, the phrase. The phrase is very... I know what that... Is. Do you know what I mean? I remember that phrase from my childhood... But I've not thought about what a kissogram actually is until this moment. In my head, I've filed it under telegram. Like, it's the same set, like the post office would offer it. It's like a stripper, but they don't strip. But what do they do? What kind of kiss? Because they said there's a portfolio of greetings, right? So, And how do you get access to that portfolio in the 80s? You're having to turn up and have a flick through like a <laughs> yeah, brochure. Yeah, exactly. 
Wow. So, do you call the kissogram, you pay your money, and then this person just turns up, knocks on your door and gives you a kiss? No, not you. You don't order it for yourself. Yeah, 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 surely. Well, some people might. But it, like, turns up to your girlfriend's work, dressed as Hitler, and says happy birthday and gives her a kiss, right? (laughs) That's basically it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, if you've got any experience with kissograms, do let us know. I got given a uh, Plymouth Argyle programme from the 80s as one of, uh, from someone for my birthday. And just reading old football programmes is phenomenal. They are so shit. Like, yeah. so... All of the businesses are so brilliantly naff. It's such a wonderful place, the 80s and 90s football programme, and I'm sure 70s and 60s. The thing that always catches me off guard, I, I occasionally will buy a 90s football programme from eBay, and it always catches me off guard how thin they are. Yeah. These days, they're like, they're magazines almost, yeah. when, when you get a matchday programme. And back in the night, like in my, I never realised it at the time, they're like 30 pages long sometimes. Yeah, and it actually read them in those days, whereas now you've got your phone, so the programme is completely pointless. Uh, and not a single kissogram business advertising in them these days, which is the real shame. If you want to get in touch about kissograms or 90s football, this is how. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. All right, coming up is Ben Clark, but before that, if you want even more Quickly Kevin, next week's episode is available right now, plus hundreds of hours of extra bonus content. whole, basically, series of Quickly Kevin are available as part of the fan club, including the first two Steve Bruce books. If you want to join the fan club, you can do so over at anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin. Right, this is a debate we have often had. What is better, question of sport versus they think it's all over? We're about to decide once and for all, and here to help us with that, please welcome back Ben Clark. Welcome Ben Clark, who has been forced to watch Question of Sport and they think it's all over. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And not so much thank you for making me watch those two programmes. I'm going to say right off the top, I love They Think It's All Over. It's even better than I remembered it. Oh, my God. I think that is the most bizarre start to what we've just experienced that has ever happened. The rounds are still so fresh. Uh, Oh, my word. Scully, are you insane? (laughs) (laughs) I think think the format, the format has some, it has some real treasure troves in there. But uh, I think as a programme, oof. Yeah, oof. Um, So let's talk through. We thought throughout the 90s there was two sports uh, panel show quizzes, should we say, whatever you want to call them, going head-to-head. The maybe squarer and more prime-time question of sport and the... uh, the edgy alternative, they think it's all over. So we've watched A Question of Sport from 1993, hosted by David Coleman, uh, with Botham and Beaumont as captains, which I remember as the classic lineup, but that's just whatever age you are, that's the classic lineup. And then they think it's all over, Series 1, Episode 2, with Gary Lineker, David Garron, Nick Hancock, and Hurston McGrath. Um, where shall we start? Should we should we take them on one at a time? Yes. Yeah. Uh, should we start with they think it's all over then? Or should we start with a question of sport? Start with a question the... of sport, because it's a bit more okay. low energy. Let's finish on okay. that. Well, <laughs> I'm bit. a lot more passionate about question of sport. What? Yeah. Let's start with the iconic theme tune, which I think we can all agree that is an absolutely legendary theme tune. Oh, it's a banger. 
what it's an day absolute the, what day of the week did it come out? Was it Friday nights? No, I was no, it to got think. moved. It got moved to Friday nights. It was a right. midweek kind of right, thing. Right, right, right. I adored it. I was coming back on a train from a football match, and I had a slice of birthday cake, of my own birthday cake, in a Tupperware, and I was really looking forward to it. And I didn't want to eat it during They Think It's All Over because I found the whole thing a bit grubby. So I, I kept my 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 um, birthday cake for what I would describe as the warm bath of watching a question of sport. <laughs> I would describe it more as a, as a very dry, sitting in a dry, empty bath. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I bet it is, question of sport would have felt like that empty Tupperware tub after it was all, you know. I couldn't there. believe it existed. It's so, so dry. I, I loved yeah. it. It's, it, it's basically it, like a it pub flew quiz. By. It's like being in a pub quiz, isn't it? There's there's well, not much extra stuff happening. Operate. I I no, don't yeah. think. I mean, Michael, you'll be able to answer on this a bit more than me. Most panel shows would over record maybe by three to one, so they could edit down the best bits. From watching that question of sport, I'd be surprised if they've edited it at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> so much. There's so much silence, isn't there? There's so there's so much whispering. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much conferring. They include the footage of them conferring, like just whispering yeah. to each other. What do you think, Michael? How do you think that edit's happened? Well, I, I worry that it is a sort of three to one, but those are the best bits. <laughs> that <they've kept> <laughs> Literally, my first note was so dry. Like yeah. the chat is boring, the VT the packages chat. are shit. It's all so it's brilliant. Clunky. I love it. I remember it. it being great. This was a real it is great. chore. It was not. It was. It was so dry that I loved it. It was like you know those people who watch the footage of trains, like, like just from the front of a train going along a track <laughs> to just calm their nerves. I could happily go back and watch another question of sport if I was feeling anxious. <laughs> It's the viewing equivalent of breathing into a brown paper bag. <laughs> I'd love to have a bath, put on a dressing gown, sit in front of a fire and watch A Question of Sport from 1993. And they, they they must be knocking out multiple shows in a day too, right? Yeah. There's no, oh right. They're not meeting up for that, that half hour, surely a, to what God. What a dense day that's going to be. Oh. Yeah. But they, they really care about winning, which is shown... By David David Coleman, by the way, shall we say. It's incredible to believe this is from 1993. <laughs> it feels like it's from such a different yeah. era. There's an answer yeah. to one question, which is Robbie Fowler. And you're like, what the fuck? Yes, Robbie Fowler yeah. existed in parallel with this being on television. <laughs> also, like, you meet the teams. Niall Quinn's on this show and Beefy. And you're like, two-thirds of Beefy's teams have really noticeable mullets. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, the fashion is incredible because what's the Scottish... Uh, Gavin, um, Gavin Hastings, Hastings is an as astonishing piece of kind of cricketing knitwear. <laughs> And David Coleman's in a, a cardigan or maybe yeah, a V-neck sweater. In, a car in my mind's eye, he's always in a cardigan. Like, if you bought a David Coleman action figure, he would be wearing a cardigan. <laughs> yeah. I've got one of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Colin Montgomery's on this show. And that's, in, that's an insane booking for me. Because mm. he's, he's a proper good golfer. Huge name. And what? Well, why is he doing Question of Sport? Is it that prestigious? This is, what, this is my yeah, fundamental question. Get, I don't understand well, how I prestigious that, it is. The, 
I can tell you why. They do a mystery, the classic mystery guest round where they film like the ear and the thing and they kind of and the nose of someone and then they yeah. put them in a scenario and you have to guess a, who it is. A real highlight, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. It's the best round by far. Yeah. Do you think? Yes. More than, more than what happened next. We'll come to that. Can I just say on the guest thing, the two people it is are John Barnes and Linford Christie. <laughs> Yeah, which unbelievable. They're fucking incredible bookings, aren't they? What a get. Imagine if you were watching Question of Sport now, and in the mystery guest round, you guessed, like, Linford Christie's the fastest man in the world. If you guessed Usain Bolt <laughs> and Raheem Sterling. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just simply wouldn't do that, would you? How are they doing that? How are they booking... Like, are they... Because sports people aren't that rich and yeah. question sports really popular, do you think? Yeah, I don't know what their budget is. I don't know if, if people were paid less at that time, but... I think it's got to be, got to be for the prestige. Also, that mystery person round, I I know who John Barnes is and who Limpid Christie is. I had no idea who these people are. And then it cut back to the studio and they're instantly like, well, that's John Barnes. I'm like, how have you? Yeah. You have to have been tipped off. You must have been tipped off. Because there's nothing they in haven't been tipped off. You do not, there's no way. They've been tipped famously libelous, retract that statement. Yeah. I refuse to accept that they've been tipped off about the mystery guest round. I've never seen Widdicombe so upset in my life. That is bullshit, mate. <laughs> pass it How on, pass it you? on. Um, did you notice the that it was a Christmas, it, despite never being mentioned, it was a Christmas episode? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was oh, crackers yeah, on the was, desk and the Christmas tree behind A Christmas tree behind them. David Coleman and two crackers on each desk. And that was the only reference to Christmas. It was quite surreal, I thought. Do you know, um, uh, it really reminded me of an article I once wrote, uh, once read by David Mitchell, and he was talking about the most easiest, the most easily pleased crowd in the world, uh, like a Wimbledon crowd, yeah. who will just absolutely crack up if like a, a pigeon lands on the net. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And I thought, that's exactly what this audience is, because there are some laughs in it. But the, it's terrible. Hu- like they're, they're almost laughing out of politeness because there's a, yeah. the, the, the whole program is a wasteland of entertainment. There's <laughs> very little to enjoy. So there's they just some, go there's for some it. good gags about beefy going to the bar. Well, that's one thing I've mentioned is how often I've got a whole section of every time they make they talked about boozing, and it really made me realise like those early '90s sports stars. Like, there's a joke, there's gags about both of them in the bar tab and Quinn out drinking all night. He says, "Yeah." Uh, when they won, when they got to the the World Cup, they were out until six fifty in the morning. And he got his flight at seven a.m. and Conor Montgomery talking about the, the, the all the talk in the bar afterwards when they're trying to figure out the, what happened next round. It's like they're all down the pub all the time. It was a different time. It was a it different was a better time. time. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s. <laughs> Did you like the two captains? Did you feel an affinity to them? Did you think they were doing a good job? I didn't feel an affinity to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> what I really loved is that they keep they kept like trying to like give people anecdotes. Yes. And it'd be like so like one of the early ones, I can't remember who it was to, but it was like, are you enjoying your golf at the moment? And he was like, yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was like, yeah. <laughs> it was to Gavin Hastings. So they, they do this thing where at one point during the show, each of the four guests gets a little anecdote time. Which is often a question about their career. So Graham Hick got, you looking forward to the tour of the West Indies this winter? And Graham Hick is not comfortable in that situation. He is not a talker. I'd say he's the most nervous of all the people. Yeah. And they were like, has Ian given you any tips? And Ian chips in to try and salvage something from the thing that he knows is going to make the edit because they're recording to length. 
um, <laughs> recording as live. live. And he's like, yeah, just go fishing and uh, go to the bar or something, isn't it? And Hick kind of... Hick, who is also for the event, worn a shirt and tie, which I found quite quite sweet. <laughs> I know, he's quite sweet. Sweet man. It's like it's a work experience. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know one of the questions? I looked at the comments underneath it. Most of them are, TV should still be like this. Yeah. But obviously, they were my comments. They were made in my comments. Yeah. But one of them was... <laughs> was I never knew Graham Hick had been on a question of sport. <laughs> like, it's fairly believable. Not sure he did. <laughs> yeah, that was from Graham Hick. Just came to afterwards in the dressing room. <laughs> I mentioned though, I'd say it's the most believable thing in the world. If I said to you, did you know in the mid-90s Graham Hick was on a question of sport? No. Yeah, I'll buy that. I, I totally buy that Graham Hick was booked for a question of sport. Oh, my God. It's so... I loved it. I loved it back in the day, though. Didn't you know, um, I know nothing about Bill Bowman. Like, Bill Bowman, for me, was the guy on Question of Sport, but I knew Beef, I knew who Beef he was. Yeah. So I, I, Bill, Bill Bowman, Bowman nothing was, about him. Well, he was the England rugby captain. Yeah. I always supported Beefy, because my dad was a huge fan of Beefy, because he was a kind of... Obviously, whatever you think of Ian Botham, he was a great figure within sport. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I know, that, I know we talk a lot about, obviously, 90s football, but I think in terms of the sports that have turned out the most characters, I would say cricket would be yeah. right up there. Maybe. Yeah. And beefies, the, beefies, beefies the number are one. And the top of the tree. Um, politically. He's the I, angel I, on top. He's the angel on top. Politically, you're very similar, obviously. Obvious. My one my one bit in both of them, quite, I always remember, which is, just sums him up as a man, was I don't talk about politics, but what I will say is Margaret Thatcher is the best thing that's ever happened to this country. It's <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I'll say. That's the do, one thing I'm do saying. You know, of all the kind oh, of sportsmen, I would say oh, beef, beefy. Beefy's, beefy's politics are the least on brand. Do you know what I mean? Because I think everything no, else... No, they're not, because he loves his country, doesn't he? And he loves yeah. his... He I loves because Beefy's really the classic it. like Wait, I can do it. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. So why can't er- you know? Do you know what I mean? He's the yeah. self-made oh, yeah, yeah. man. Cricketers are renowned for uh, yeah, yeah, for real, real yeah. common touch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really pulled myself up from humble beginnings at private school. Uh, yeah. Well, is, Be- is Beefy a working class? Cr- I pre- always presumed Ian Beefy. Ian Beefy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of. Assume that no, no English cr- cricketers were. Uh, yeah, because you don't play it on the mean streets, at, do you? No, but I just presumed because Beefy was also a footballer, wasn't he? Of course. He. Um, oh my god, Beefy's in the House of Lords. Too bloody right, he is, man. <laughs> He's such a. That explains a lot. He's... But he won't. That the difficult thing about that is he won't. Still won't talk about politics. So whatever they are. <laughs> Whenever they ask him, he just goes, Margaret Thatcher's the best thing that's ever happened to this country. That's all I'm going to say. No, he went to comprehensive school, Beefy. Well, well, well. He's a classic, classic um, uh, it's probably, sorry, sporting ba- Baron Botham. 
Baron Botham. Baron Botham, yeah. Have I ever, t- have I ever told you this? That, like, um, I read uh, <laughs> Beefy's autobiography about six, seven years ago on holiday. And towards the end, there was an, 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 a, like, an anecdote about um, he was good friends of Eric Clapton. And Eric Clapton yeah, he said, was. Yeah, and yeah, he was. said, Eric Clapton said to him, All right, if you score 100 against Australia, I'll come do a gig at your local pub. And if you don't, then you've got to come play for my local cricket team. And Beefy did score the 100. And Eric Clapton did. did a gig. Totally, like unannounced down at Beefy's local and uh, I was reading this and I was like I've heard this story before and then I realised I've read Ian Botham's autobiography twice I'd read <laughs> <laughs> and one I'd got two I realised I've got in my bookcase got two Beefy autobiographies <laughs> that have just been re- they've just put a new cover on it <laughs> I thought you were going to say you'd read Eric Clapton's autobiography and you'd heard it from both sides of the... It's the only autobiography I've read twice. Um, My favourite anecdote um, from Beefy is... uh, I can't remember what they're referring to. I think it might be Graham Hick. Oh, it was when he played at Worcester with Graham Hick. And... uh, Beefy just says, oh, we had the best barbecues at the old farmhouse. Oh, no. So evocative. Why is David... David Coleman has got to follow that up, hasn't he? Yes. (laughs) David Coleman never follows up an anecdote. He's never like, tell me a bit more about... Tell me about these, but he's like... Okay, now it's the home and away round, so it's uh, two points from <laughs> yeah. away answer. Maybe he knows what, what goes on at those yeah. barbecues and he's like, yeah. we need to move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the ritual sacrifice is not the <laughs> <laughs> sport fair. <laughs> I love that it starts. Uh, David Coleman also starts, it's five all, as if anyone's following the um, the score. No, I think the score's really important on question of sport. That's actually one of the yeah. cornerstones of it, is that they take it so seriously. Yeah, do you think that's a good thing? I think that is a good thing. They really care. They're really not. Bill Beaumont mounts an incredible comeback, and then unfortunately, the video on YouTube cuts off before the final question. I know, so you don't know what actually happened. I'd love to know how that ended, but it's really difficult to know. I went down into the comments to find out what happened, and the guy who uploaded the video said, Sorry, it was recorded from an old VHS, and the recording just cut out then. Oh, you've got to warn us. Yes, I know. It was so just into, like, the, the opening of Splash or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got quite a few views as well, that episode. It's got, like, 40-odd yeah, thousand. Got... And I was like, who's... Yeah, that's, I thought the same thing. I was like, who's watching this? Police who are investigating some barbecues at an old farmhouse. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it cuts out. The other don't get finished at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it takes an interesting place within the TV lexicon that doesn't exist now, which is now you have members of the public playing serious quizzes or you have celebrities being funny on panel shows that are styled as quizzes. But you never have celebrities... Just doing quizzes. Do you know what I mean? There's no serious quizzes. There's no celebrities doing serious quizzes for no reason, and it's a, it's a it's a genre that simply doesn't exist anymore. Although, doesn't this program still exist? No, nah, well, it's it's been showbizzed and comedied up. Well, this this is the thing. the The top comment was someone going saying such a vastly superior show in these days compared to what it has become now. I, do you know what? I think this is this makes me a complete hypocrite. But I don't like this show, and I don't like the new version either. 
I, but if it well, has that make you a hypocrite? Well, I don't know because I, I always just, want to go. Okay, that, is... that just means you've consistently hated a question of sport. <laughs> no, I think that's fine. I said, I said at the start, it's so boring and slow paced and low energy. But actually, when you ramp the energy up and you try and like entertainmentify it, it's still I don't like that. I don't know what the issue. I love a question of sport. I think it's brilliant. I think the thing that question of sport needs is what this episode has is that okay, if you're going to take it seriously, you have to take it really seriously, and it is yes. a proper competition. Yes. Well, that's what you get with sports people, isn't it? That they yeah. really are competitive. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, they, they take any competition seriously. They couldn't enjoy a question of sport. I imagine Beefy and uh, Beaumont genuinely want to win that series. Yeah. Um, yeah. But mainly because Beefy's got a, a bet on with Eric Clapton about uh, whether he's... <laughs> Um, Shall we go through the rounds and uh, you tell me what you think of the rounds? Because they they were consistently the same throughout the decade. It wasn't one of those shows that changed the rounds. So it starts with a picture board, which I think is a very serviceable first round, where they just pick the the picture and they have to say who it is. Then, Then it goes into a weird montage round where they've... That's, I think, their attempt to make it all a bit modern because they've got some modern music. They've got that Here We Go Again song and they've also got uh, the yeah. Four Non Blondes yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. as a soundtrack. There's a, there's a montage in there of uh, snooker players. And yeah. uh, how old are these snooker players? Like, they're <laughs> 70. Some of them are like... They're, and they're in the competition. Like, they're so old. Yeah, but that It's snooker. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Ray Reardon is the only one I remember being old. But in this montage, yeah. these people are on yeah. death's door. They're, they're so old. <laughs> Creeping around the table yeah. one last game. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a thing, though, like, like old people look more... Wait, this is yeah. going to sound mental now, but... <laughs> <laughs> people back then, old people used to look older. Yeah, totally, they do totally. Now. So, like, someone in their 50s would look like they're in the 70s, in the 90s. Well, Ian Botham probably isn't 40 on this. Wow, like, yeah. On yeah. Question of Sport. Colin Montgomery at that point, because he's got that, that tight, curly hair, he's a bit chubby. Yeah. He was 30. He doesn't look 30. He looks much no, older. No. Uh, but yeah. I was, was going to say, Colin Montgomery looks the same now as he did in 1993. He's almost ageless, isn't he? Yeah, he is kind of ageless, isn't it? But I think that's... He's grown into his look, hasn't he? Yeah. He looked 60 in 1993. He was only just out of his 20s when he recorded this. <laughs> that is insane to me. That is yeah. insane to me. I would have I would have put him in the late 40s. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Good old that? Colin Montgomery. Um, now, I'd say the most iconic round, it's the what happened next round. I'd say that's the most iconic round. That's the most fun round. So hard, that round. It's so hard because one of the one of the things that happens next is, is the worst. His hat what blows off in next, the wind. I've, how oh, like, how are we going to remember so that? Weak. It's, it's so weak. And the reaction yeah. to it is so poor. They discuss it. So golfers lining up his shot, and they're like, "What's going to happen?" And Colin Montgomery said, "I played in that tournament." And I don't remember hearing this anecdote in the bar. And you're like, no, of course you fucking didn't. Because yeah, it's, it's not an anecdote. It's not an anecdote. Your hat blown off yeah. in the wind is not that interesting. And they also, it's the classic, you know when someone makes you guess at something and you guess 
and it ruins the answer because your guess is more extreme. You know when they go, guess how old I am, and you get it, you go the wrong way. <laughs> the problem with what happens Colin next... Montgomery. <laughs> yeah, Colin Montgomery. 85? <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, their guesses for what happened next are so much more exciting than his hat blowing off, <laughs> that when David Coleman reveals the hat blowing off, the disappointment within the room. I think it takes a lot for Ian Botham not to go, like, not to riff on how weak it is. I wonder if they've been briefed. Like, I know you're saying they get briefed on the mystery guest. They're told, don't have a go at the weapon neck because it's really weak this, <laughs> Shit this week. Don't, please don't draw attention to it. Yeah, just act like it's good content. Also, uh, how the producers getting hold of that? Just thinking, like, they must they're, like, be they're all off. sat in a meeting room, like, oh, one of the hats blew off on the tee the other week. Quick. Fire up the footage. Clear it. Get the footage cleared. <laughs> they must have inside. They must have people on the inside going, I've got something for you here. <laughs> What's yeah. that? What happened next? Oh, it's a man who kicks a rugby ball into his own face. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. I, I'd say that's acceptable. That one's fine. Yeah, Do you yeah, think um, Question of Sport had scouts at different sports all over the country just waiting for things to go wrong? <laughs> that, was, that was why the show was so cheap in the studio. All their money was spent <laughs> scouting for what happened next. Um, I would say I loved it, but yeah. I would say I'm in a, in a minority there. Um, so I, I went down a David Coleman uh, rabbit hole after this because I was like, I don't yeah. really know what space David Coleman occupied. Like he's such an iconic voice of my youth, but I don't really know anything about him. But uh, Wait, I, I don't remember... you realise you've read his autobiography. <laughs> yeah, <five times>. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this anecdote about the hat coming off the golfer before. <laughs> Um, but there's this one bit that a tidbit of about David Coleman is that he retired after the the 2000 Olympics, and um, he, when he retired, he requested specifically no fanfare or recognition by the BBC, despite having worked for the corporation for over 40 years. Oh wow! And I thought well, that's interesting, isn't it? He, was he also in charge of the Christmas decorations on A Question of Sport? <laughs> <laughs> they brought that belief into the whole production of A Question of Sport. Absolutely no bells and whistles. No fans. No, I haven't had any fanfare throughout my career. Right, let's not start now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, shall we move on to They Think It's All Over? Which I, I found troubling. Did you? And I know and I know it's easy to pick things from a different time and go, well, you know, there was different sensibilities and stuff. So I, I don't think, you know, you can... I don't think there's a huge amount to be gained by going back and saying we wouldn't say that now, but we wouldn't say a lot of it now. <laughs> <laughs> what was, we know what you think of it, Scott. What, what was your general... What was your feelings going into it, Ben? Were you a fan of it at the time? Yeah, I was. And and actually, I saw that episode Did at you? the time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Is, that, what, is, this, like, is this like Skull with, uh, with um, Thingy's autobiography? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you know that you saw that episode at the time? And I think maybe this it was in the advert, but Lee Hurst, when he gets up and, and puts the blindfold on and goes, it's the car, right? She fixed up the car, which was from a, a Batman film. Right. It's I the didn't get Batman that. Film. And you remembered that from the time. And I, and I remember thinking, that's the funniest joke I've ever seen <laughs> when, I, when I was 12 years old. <laughs> but I think that was probably as well, because I'd gone to the cinema and watched that Batman film. So I was like... Yeah, I know what this joke is. <laughs> it should yeah. probably be a first for me. Yeah, time. it made you feel really like, oh my god, me and Lee Hurst. He's my, he's my hero, and that feeling is only strengthened over time. 
<laughs> yeah, suddenly, suddenly he came crashing down where he uh, tweeted a, a very, a very bad tweet about our uh, our TV show. <laughs> I'd say, I would say, Ben, that uh, Lee Hurst has done a string of bad tweets. That, um, <laughs> yeah, was, uh, not, not the worst. In many respects, tweets. that was the least offensive. Well, that was the only thing he was right about. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what did you make of it uh, before you watched it? Uh, well, I loved it when it first came out. I remember it being a sort of appointment to view television at the time and yeah. had not obviously revisited it since. I would describe this rewatching as, in big, bold capital letters, problematic. <laughs> <laughs> so much of the banter. It's like they've ticked every single box of bigotry, sexism. I think there's some racism in there. There's like, is it's, there? it's, is there? Doesn't he do like the accent, an Indian accent at one point during oh, one of the I've clips that. where they're sort oh. of um, doing the that. fake commentating? Doesn't Gower pretend to be like the Indian uh, umpire oh, or something like that? Someone definitely that. does an accent that they yeah, should not might. be doing. And you know, you're right. We can't frame it now um, and criticise it. But I was surprised that like how ugly a lot of it was. It was actually quite, um, it's just quite mean in places. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, they're obsessed with physicalities, aren't they? We say, having spent 20 minutes talking about how old Colin Montgomery looks. <laughs> I'd say the lowest point is during Feel the Sportsman, when Clive Anderson, who I think is probably oh, the, the, yes. this is the, one. Is the funniest person on the show, excluding this yeah. moment. I'd say Clive yeah. Anderson produces a very good performance as a guest. Yeah, totally. He asks if he can identify Tessa Sanderson, who's on the other team, by oh, touching her. Thought- I thought yeah. Rory had said that. No. No. Right. I think yeah. I've watched a different episode to you guys. Oh, no. What? Tessa Sanderson and uh, John McCruick and Eddie the Eagle. No, mine had Jeff Capes. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, accent, that accent comment won't make any sense. <laughs> oh, that is so... But that is... But it's good to know, Michael, yeah. that the um, kind of tone of it is consistent over the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that you had Jeff Capes. We had Eddie the Eagle Edwards and John McCrera, because I'll feel the sportsman. Who did you have? This is one of my favourite moments in the history of Critley Kevin. <laughs> is Michael watching the wrong thing? They think it's all over. Je- it's Jeff Capes uh, and a female jockey who I don't know who she was. That round, you could never do that round now, is it? Like, no, it's no. a great idea. I think it's really funny, but... Oh, it, it, uh, yeah, I think that's the that's the jewel in its crown. Yeah, I do. It's a real stroke of genius, which is what they, what they called the round. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when you... I've watched old episodes of fantasy football and, you know, and this as well, television felt so much more mean back then yeah. some of the you when you watch it back you're like oh this is so strong some of the some of the stuff that was being you said you can't say anything jarring. these days i think that's all right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah you bang on yeah and, 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 and i think that's what comes out is that it's like it's so lazy when someone's doing it it's like they can't think of anything better so they're just gonna do i'll just do something mildly offensive yeah. I'd do I'd do something just a bit sexist and it's just like a placeholder for not having something good yeah. but it's weird because it didn't feel it didn't at the time feel weird at all did it no I didn't no no not yeah. at all and do you know what I, at the time I was desperately sad when Lee Hurst was moved off the 
kind of he was a staple, wasn't he, of the first few series? And when he went, I was yeah. like, ah, oh. he left of his own accord, I think. Yeah, he, yeah. Ill, in my head, he? the show was never quite the same. But when you watch it back here, he's cracking gags at an incredible rate. But ninety eight percent of them are rubbish. But he's still getting a big, la- he's still getting a big laugh. Well, come it's, on, guys, let's not pick up that thread. It's always, yeah, it's always, <laughs> but he's good. He's he's saying stuff non-stop, and it's getting laughs. But it doesn't even make sense half the time. I think because this is episode two, I think there's a le- a nervousness in the air. Yeah. You can really feel it in Lineker and Gower. Well, that's funny you say that. I've written down here the chemistry is off the charts. Really, Jack <laughs> Hancock, Hancock and ba- Lineker bantering. I thought it was good. The chemistry between them is good. It's undeniably what good. Chemistry. I what chemistry? Gower, McGrath, Hancock, Lineker, Hurst. They're firing off each other. <laughs> How can you not see this? You think Gower was firing on anything at all? That's another, I'll read you another one of my notes. Gower's always surprisingly funny on this. <laughs> Name me one funny thing. Shall He's say. just super dry, isn't he? He's really dry. He's super dry. I don't think. I don't think it's like he's doing like a Jack D though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about David Gower. He delivers it so stone faced. You don't know whether it's a joke or not, isn't it? Oh my word! I think Nick Hancock's a very good host. I think Nick yeah. Hancock yeah. really was. A brilliant TV host of that and Room 101. And yeah, uh, I think it's a shame that Nick Hancock hasn't, you know, isn't still on TV because he was, I thought he was absolutely uh, one of the best people around in those days. Um, Gower, I'd say, had more question of sport than they think it's all over vibes. Yeah, you could kind of tell that they're like, let's just, they, it's not their job to be funny. Let's just have them on. They, they'll play the game and the other guests will be funny. What about that really weak round where they have to draw where the golf ball goes? Oh. <laughs> That's a weak round. Yeah. It was really poor. So there's a round where they, they show a golfer or a footballer, it's Cyril Regis, isn't it, about to take a golf tee off on in a whatever celebrity golf match or something. And they stop it and you have to draw where the ball goes. And they all draw so much on the screen. And also, because it's drawn on the screen... Everything has to make the edit. So all of the shit ideas. Because <laughs> in drawing it on the screen, you have... So Clive Anderson does this thing about the 50 being like the word, the end of the word SO. And it gets so little, but because he's drawn it on screen, obviously they can't back out because they have to show him drawing it on screen. Uh, during that round, do you remember Lee Hurst's bit of like... There's a Japanese. So- this is actually oh, in yeah. Malaysia, and there's a Japanese soldier who thinks the war's still happening, and he comes out and shoots the golf ball. Yes, and the, the audience go wild. It's <laughs> 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 like what? 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 I know. I've actually written a note that whoever was the warm up on this must have been sensational because this crowd are rabid. <laughs> <laughs> must have been Mark Olver. It was, it was David Gower. It was because he's so, he's so funny. They sent Gower out early. That was yeah. That was his problem. He was so drained. He left it all out there. The he wasn't actually meant to be on the show. He was booked as the warm-up, and he did such a good job. They replaced um, Graham Gooch. Yeah, as the. Uh, 
Um, we all struggle to name an early 90s cricketer there. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Have I ever told you that Tessa Sanderson lived two roads away from me as a kid? She was like the local celebrity. When oh, you wow. were a kid? Yeah, when I was a kid, yeah, yeah, in East London. Did you mention this to her? Did you say? <laughs> I never said that. Didn't, you didn't get much in the edit, but they think it's all over the other <laughs> night, Tessa. <laughs> How funny is David Cower in real life? <laughs> <laughs> is he just turning it off for the cameras? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really turns it off for the cameras. <laughs> I thought they had some good rounds. I think yeah. it's a good show. It's yeah. a, a dated show, but it's a good... There's some fun rounds. Yeah, the for rounds when are really fun. It's really clever. The rounds oh, are great. Really clever? <laughs> it is. You want, well, you, I mean, I know all the rounds, obviously, because I've watched it all the time, but when you when you go back, fresh pair of eyes, you're like, this, these are good ideas. These are really strong ideas. What apart ideas. from Feel the Sportsman was a good round? The, the amalgamation of the different faces, and you've got to tell them apart. So oh, you yeah, get, that's you a get good the round. Of that's the funny-looking good... face, and then you, you have to the pull them apart. You get the hit of Rory Maguire every week saying that he slept with the woman. <laughs> yeah. <And> then... <laughs> the final round is really good, where, you know, it's kind of that uh, parlour game where you, you, you're you not allowed to say the name of the person, but you got you got other people have to guess it. I didn't think that was that good. It's a good frenetic ending to the to the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lee Hurst's ones were just quite straight. So you'd just be like, won the 100 metres gold at the Athens Olympics. Yeah, correct. <laughs> um, England's football captain. Yeah, Alan Shearer. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> so it wasn't... For me, it all felt like a big build-up to Rory McGraw getting Fanny Blanca's Cohen. That was basically... (laughs) It was a four-minute build-up to to Jumbo Um, Cummings at the end. The other thing that doesn't really happen on panel shows anymore is at points they're riffing, and obviously Skull's enjoying this because the chemistry's firing between... (laughs) (laughs) Lightning in a a bottle, guys. (laughs) And then Nick Hancock's like, I'm going to have to rush you for an answer here, guys. You're like, Nick... They're doing the funny answers. Um, so it comes to the big decision, which is which did you prefer? A question of sport or they think it's all over. There's four of us voting. Which is the best? So that history can finally decide the biggest tussle of the 90s. Obviously, a bit like Ronaldo and Messi. Why waste your time comparing them? Just be happy that we live through both of them. But um, Chris, would you like to cast your yes. views on the first vote? I would begrudge watching Question of Sport because there would often be nothing else on, but I knew I'd, I love sport, so I would watch Question of Sport, but I would always be in the it back of my head. It was one of those things that you watched because there was not enough sport on TV. Yes, exactly. So it was a way of getting some sport. And there was nothing else on, and I would watch it, and I'd be like, oh, this could be so much better. They think it's all... That felt black and white. They think it's all over is colour. It is sensate. I, think, I still think the chemistry... I mean, yes, the humour is massively dated, but guys, the chemistry. That's all I'm going to say. It's, it's, they think it's all over all day long for me. I'd say that the chemistry between Botham, Beaumont and Coleman is stronger than the chemistry on They Think It's All Over. That is the most insane opinion I've ever heard. How can you even describe it as chemistry? What's in this chemistry set? Just sand. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what are you going for? I mean, at the time, obviously, they think it's all over. was vastly superior to a teenage me. But I am absolutely not pinning my flag to that mask in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Question of sport all day long. The question of sport all day long, one all. Uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm the same as Michael. When I was younger, at the time, I thought they think it's all over was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. And had no interest in a question of sport whatsoever. Felt a bit like school homework or something. It was just too too serious. And, and I, I didn't know any of the answers. 
<laughs> still don't. But, but <laughs> watch, <laughs> watching it back, I now I definitely take a question of sport. Oh, Chris, it's crumbling. It's, it's sad that it's come to me as well, the one we, we both know. We all know what I'm going to go for. <laughs> the warm bath, the flake, <laughs> the duvet <laughs> in TV form, <laughs> the cuddly toy, everything about a question of sport. I just want to curl up in a bed and listen to David Coleman tell us who is the golfer that's leaning over and looking at a part <laughs> behind number seven on the picture board. I mean, in a way, Ooh. they're both a warm bath. I just think they think it's all over is with a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love they think it's all over at the time and um, everything comes from a different time. So there we go. Just to say, you know, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. in case Lee Hurst's listening. <laughs> um, ben, it's been a pleasure. Um, obviously, so uh, if you want more of Ben Clark, Pappy's Flat Slam podcast is it's out all the time. How how often's it out, Ben? Uh, we release something once a week. We've got three different formats. It's it's very chaotic. It's a very complicated <laughs> podcast. But something is out every week. Go yeah. and listen to yeah. it on all of your podcast providers. Thank you very much, Ben. I don't think we've Thank ever you. made you watch anything good, and that's the joy of it. <laughs> and, uh, and if you take one thing away from this, is that David Gower would be a great guest on your podcast. <laughs> Bone Clark, thank you very much. Thank you, lads. That was Ben Clark. Absolutely love. I could have watched more of both of those shows, but let's yeah. be honest, I never will. Um, <laughs> so... Thank you uh, to Ben Clark. He's always a pleasure to spend an hour with. It's good to finally settle that debate. Should we have a quick quiz? Let's have it. Okay, we're going to play starting 11, but it's very different. I want you to take it in turns to name permanent captains from a question of sport through the ages. Could be quick, this one. Take it in turns. Uh, you get a second go if you get one wrong, because I think it's quite tough. Would you like to start, Chris? Phil Tufnell. Toughest, there he is. 2008 to 2021. Uh, Botham. Correct. 1988 to 1996. Bill Beaumont. Yes, Bill Beaumont. 1982 to 1996. Blintoff? Incorrect. Incorrect. Emlyn Hughes. Emlyn Hughes, of course. 79 to 82 and then 84 to 88. Have I won? Well, Michael's allowed one wrong, but I, I, I think you have one because I can't believe, uh, I yeah. can't believe he's going to pull one out now. Although there is a foot, another footballer, one other footballer, nineties footballer, in fact, ninety six to two thousand seven, he was captain. Oh, oh, no. I got no one. Ali no. McCoist. Ali McCoist. Oh. There we go. Do you want the other ones you could have had? Ugo Monier. Uh, Bill Bowman of Ugo Monier. Yes. Do you want to carry on with that? Uh, uh, the little rugby player, I can't remember his name. Gareth Edwards? No, more modern. Matt Dawson. Matt Dawson, that's it. There's also a rugby player called Cliff Morgan, 70 to 75. Got it round for a long time. Fred Truman, 1976. Wow. Willie Carson, 82 to 84. Frankie Dettori, 2002 to 2004. Emily Hughes McCoist. Henry Cooper, 70 Ooh. to 77. Brendan Foster, the runner, and of course, John Parrott. Oh, John Parrott, yes. John Parrott. John Parrott v. Ali McCoist would probably be... I, I, would, I would say that was the golden age. What, what years were John Parrott? 
96 to 2002 was John Parrott wow. versus Ali McCoy. Not, not, not and then John Parrott made way for Frankie Dettori, who in turn made way for Matt Dawson. And then Ali McCoy, in turn, made way for Phil Tufnell. If you want even more quickly, Kevin, you can actually get next week's episode right now, plus extended ad-free uh, versions of every episode this series, plus a bunch of bonus episodes. Join the Quickly Kevin fan club over at anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin. That's it for this week. Um, let's sign off. Gary Barnett provides the outros this week, and he says, thanks for having me over. Tona Miola. See you next week. Hit legs! Hit legs over the top!